Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Conservative. What I don't like about Washington is they're very nice to your face, and then they take a shiv or a machete, and they stab it in your back. I'm a Wall Street guy, and I'm more of a front-stabbing person, and, and I'd rather tell people directly how I feel about them. Nobody talk about politics, like, don't say anything, you know. A marriage that's been through it all. She has filed for divorce over his naked political ambition. These are the views of a couple in love. A couple with children. A couple with differing opinions and perspectives a couple that survives he's kind of like an impetuous guy in in many ways that's great in some ways it's tough when you're married what leads them back to each other communication conversation and a realistic outlook on the world we live in your hosts anthony and deirdre scaramucci this is mooch and the missus yo 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 it's the missus Coming the, in hot. The Mrs. 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 <laughs> I'm coming in hot today. Looking particularly hot at oh, the nice. blue collar president. Oh, I thought you meant right night. now. Oh, you're looking very hot today too. The, I the look hairstyle the same. looks exactly the same. <laughs> I from woke last up and night. I look the same. So let me give everybody news flash. No shower this morning. No blowout this morning. No, I showered. I just didn't get my hair wet. All right. Well, you Duh. know what I'm saying. Okay. Don't I'm, make uh, people I'm think that from, I don't shower. All right. Well, just so you know, the men that listen to this podcast actually wash their hair every day. Yeah, no, men do. And by the way, if you're not washing your hair every day like the guy that I rode the elevator with <laughs> yesterday, do me a favor, please. Go wash your hair, okay? I mean, hair gives off a smell after three yeah, days. Yeah, he had like a Muppet sort of hair. Disgusting. But welcome to Mooch and the Misses. This is podcast number six, Tuesday, October 23rd, 2000. We're on the Mooch uh, Blue Collar President uh, book tour. I'm so tired. He's so tired. But let me tell you something. The book came out. The book came out today. I want to thank people. If you bought the book, if you haven't bought the book, I'm disappointed in you. Please go out and buy the book immediately. <laughs> oh, I'm you're applying, already using guilt. I'm, I'm applying Marie Scaramucci style guilt. Mm-hmm. She's a jujitsu blue black collar blue collar expert on uh, jujitsu of belt. guilt. Black belt. You're all about collars. But let me let me tell you something. We had a great night last night. Uh, the book is uh, in the top we had 100 a good now night on until Amazon. Anthony whacked me in the face. In the cheekbone. Oh, with my God. Yeah. Okay, so I have very boisterous Italian friends. <laughs> I'm holding my cell phone. I go to shake the guy's hand to say goodbye. He has to hug and kiss me like we're members of the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. He grabs <laughs> me, violently thrusts me. My cell phone whacks Deirdre in the cheekbone. So Deirdre's face is imbalanced today. She looks like she's got uh, I look like I have stroke. extra filler on one side. <laughs> oh, you got filler, baby? Are you making that announcement here on the... No, actually, no, I'm just saying, like, if, if I had. All right, had let me tell you fil- something. If Deirdre ever needed filler, she's getting filler, okay? I know how it works. <laughs> so, so let's talk a little bit about the, the, the book party. Did you have a good time at the book party? I did. Why are you talking to me? You sound like you're talking to, like, one of our kids. No, but I'm just saying, did you have a good time at the book party? Oh, did you? I definitely had a good time at the book party. I am so floored by how many people came out. That was super cool. It was nice. Yeah, we had a DJ. It was fun. 
I, I we have to have it. some listeners come next time. I give a big shout out to Samantha Darcy, whose uh, grandmother uh, or mom came up with Grandma. the idea. Oh, she better Ooh. not hear you say that. <laughs> Ooh, I want to talk about Samantha Darcy's mom for one second. Okay, this is my assistant. I grew up with her mother on Long Island. Her mother was like living in a Richie Rich style mansion, and of course, I was living in the blue collar area. And I, I run into her at the Jones Beach Maroon Five concert. You know, thirty years later, she goes, "Ah." Oh, I just thought you were like one of those townies. I didn't realize how big you were going to make it. Yeah. Like cut. It was like br- brutalizing. It was but, sort of endearing. It was It was like a, a double-edged sword, like but, a backhanded compliment. But having said that, uh, she created these blue collars, and they had stitched in it the title, The Blue Collar President. So that was super it's nice of her. for your book. Um, I'm going to go to some of these listener tweets, babe. I'd like you to respond to some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deirdre, what is your opinion on the blue collar president? Do you feel Joy Behar had a point yesterday about the president being far removed from reality because of his upbringing? I definitely think he's far removed from reality. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. think basically he the only way he's semi in touch, which is not very in touch, is if he perhaps strolled onto one of his work sites here and there. So why but do you I, think all these people like him then? He got 62.9 million votes in the 2016 presidential Because George. he has this thing about him where he seems like he is relatable, even though he's not relatable. And But he's, you're not going to like this. But he also says things to appeal to them that are not... Wonderful, You know, he tries to, everything about him is like stirring up some sort of hate. So he says stuff that he knows will light them up. Like, you know, I don't even want to go there. But you know what I'm saying? No, come on. This is what the podcast. Baby, I'm trying to generate ratings here with the podcast. Go ahead. No, like with Charlottesville, he should have outwardly made a statement and said something like super solid about how he was totally against all of that. And he kind of was like, yeah, I'm gonna let that kind of just like blow over because I don't want to offend that part right, well, of it. He, he's you a know, zero that's apologist. what he does. That's one of the things about him. So, well, what I'm saying is, he's not really relatable, but he finds something that people uh, are into, and he plays it up like he's into it also, whether that be by something he says or something he doesn't say. Mik- and then they Mik- are like, Mika, "I love this Mika, guy." Mika Brzezinski, your sister is calling on line one. <laughs> Deirdre Brzezinski, could you please pick up? No, Mika? I am totally not. Mika Brzezinski. No, I am not. I'm not angry about anything. I'm just realistic. I'm not angry. Well, Mika was hitting me this morning about the president telling uh, fabrications, and do I think he tells fabrications? And so, the answer is yes. I do think he tells fabrications, but you're missing the broader point. Uh, these people are very dissatisfied with the establishment, and they hired a wrecking ball. But this is not ball. all about an election. Everything. She's speaking about the in general that that's not something you should do in general. She's not just relating it to the election or how you win re-election. She's talking about as a person and as a leader what you should be doing. I got it. I got it. But here's the problem. The the establishment leadership over the last three decades. Right. Well, they they let us failed. here, right? Well, they let it. They let, they they let, let these down people this... down. These wages are declined. They were uh, they pre- elected officials. This is an indictment of both parties created malpractice on these trade deals. 
It was understandable to put the trade deals up and make them uneven after the end of the Second World War. But why, why not right-size them as these other economies were approving to make it fair for the American worker? I totally agree that, with that's that. That's all special interest lobbying of all the I cucks totally in the swamp. I totally agree with that. And, you know, like Obama was on this, you know, they were playing his, um, a tape from, I think he was in Las Vegas last night at a rally. And, and actually, sorry, this was from like way back when uh, Trump was campaigning and he was saying how he was going to create all these jobs and Obama was saying, oh yeah, like how are you going to do that? Well, there are ways to do it and he is doing it. You know, you, it's some of this trade stuff, it's some of this tax stuff, it's bringing things back on shore. There are ways to do it. So, We're going to win so much, you may even get tired of winning. Right. Well, well, that was the first time I ever, in hindsight, was listening to something from the past and thought... Because at the time, I remember thinking, yeah, wh- how is he going to do that? Because he never explains himself right. or how he intends to do it. So I, I remember thinking, yeah, what the hell is he talking about? He's not going to be able to do that. But now he's kind of doing it. So that's the first time I ever really disagreed with Obama so, on so, something. So, so it's interesting. So I make the case here that as smart as President Obama is, and uh, I think he's obviously an incredibly smart guy, uh, some of this He's stuff not is, as commercial, though. That's the thing. Right. Some of it about life experience. He was an academic. He was a constitutional scholar. Legally trained, he went on to become a public servant, and so, but he never really ran a payroll or started something from nothing or built a business, and so he's not totally understanding the free market basis of these incentives yeah. that you can put in place to cause growth or, 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 or bring people's wages up. One thing the president doesn't get credit for is just by cutting the slack in the illegal, by cutting down the illegal immigration, he cut the slack in the labor markets, and so... The African-American unemployment numbers, I don't know if you saw Reverend Darrell Scott, mm-hmm. the African-American preacher from Cleveland at our, at our party mm-hmm. last night, or Kareem from down in uh, Atlanta, both were part of the African-American coalition for Trump. They were just pointing out that less illegal immigration well, opens gives up the more jobs. opportunity for current citizens. Right. And so president wants legal immigration. I think it's very important to point this out when the Democrats are calling him a racist. If he was a full-blown racist, okay, he would just, this just block all the regulations. Okay, so who's... But this brings us to a good point. He then needs to tailor the way he speaks because people think he's a racist. He's ref, he's talking about this caravan, right, that's coming up from South America or Central America. Mm-hmm. And he's saying... I implore you, go into the middle of the caravan and you'll see Middle Eastern and you'll see MS-13. What are you talking about? You'll see Middle Eastern. First of all, not every Middle Eastern person is a terrorist. Second of all, how does he know who's in the caravan? And so he just sounds like a complete and total racist. Well, he just did, he just did one of those press events in the Oval Office where he was saying that he has meaningful information that some of these people are Middle Eastern. So, but who cares I, if they're? I, I, do I you understand like, what I'm saying? I do. I don't like it. I think That's it's, like it's, someone saying, "Oh, it's hey, go time. in the middle of that caravan, and there's going to be white people." Does that mean what? That we're white supremacists? Because I'm white, it doesn't mean I'm anything. Because they're Middle Eastern doesn't necessarily mean that they're. No, it's some, scare, someone it's, nefarious. It's, it's a scare tactic, and it's a dog whistle. Yes, he keeps saying, I, I "I'm taking care of everyone." I'm taking care of everyone. Big Daddy Trump, the lovely Mrs. Mooch, taking side with the president on the economy, but smacking him up on racial profiling and racial dog whistles. Okay, yeah. let's go to a another question. The View, Deirdre, hit on your tumultuous time. I love with how you Anthony. read. I love how you read. 
What, keep going. I, I don't know how to read, right? <laughs> yeah, so funny. I mean, this is unbelievable. You're so this smart, is, but you're like... This is like 35 minutes of buzz sawing. Okay. No. What my wife is pointing out, when I was the host of Wall Street Week, I couldn't read the teleprompter. It took me like about two weeks to figure remember it out. Remember when we went... So- there okay, was that's a that's my sneeze. Okay, Aunt, remember when Neil, we went keep to it the. Up, uh, Neil. I'm going to knock you through next week, Neil. We went. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> we just watched that meme before we came in here. Okay, remember we okay. went to the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library and yeah. they could, had that I, fake teleprompter and, and we were trying it. to do it. It was like a week before Wall Street Week launched, and you were yeah. like, "Oh God, this is going to suck. <laughs> this, yeah. this show is going to suck. I can't even I read off this I fake read teleprompter." The Mr. Extemporaneous, I have a hard time reading the prompter. No, but, but... you are awesome extemporaneous. Honestly, uh, nobody, I could never go without notes. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, the brain chemistry set humana, up a certain humana. way. What can I tell you? But let me try to read this. Okay. This is from a listener Let's tweet. See. Deirdre, the view hit on your tumultuous time when Anthony was the communications director. What have you learned as a couple since then? And what do you do differently to make your relationship work despite opposite political views and ambitions? This is what I have to say. It's a general blanket statement. Life is not all about politics. And before I was with Anthony, I never thought about politics. Honestly, honest to God. I woke up and I went about my day. And of course, I wasn't, you know, watched the news, read the newspaper, but it wasn't something on my mind 24 7. So as it relates to my relationships, when I look at Anthony, I don't think, I don't see like red. He's not looking at me like and seeing blue. You know, it's not right, like. pretty blue eyes open. That was really sweet. I just thought I'd throw that in. Well, there. thanks. They have, they need some visine today, but yeah, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> okay. um, but so our relationship is separate from the politics. It's more of an, an actual like this person said a, an ambition thing. It's it. His goals are to be involved in politics, so that's more of something that I have to tackle because obviously we don't share the same politics. So as it relates to our marriage, I try to keep it out of it. If it comes down to where it's a decision about a job or something we'll obviously have to talk about it but we talk about other things we do we have we have a life outside of politics that's what i that's what people need to have they need to separate life from politics there's more to it i think it's good commentary and i think that's the reason why we're able to get along so well so let me ask you this uh uh, deirdre anthony did an interpretive dance (laughs) of his 11 days in the White House for the New York Post. It was a three-minute video. What did you think of that video, and do you think Anthony's reputation can survive the interpretive dance? It was all Of course, that's a made-up question. You know, no. I just threw that question in. That was from my own mind. I just wanted to hear what my wife thinks about the No, it was funny. I dance. loved it. I was there on set. I wanted to jump in with you. You, you loved it? Was I, I dancing with jipping. a white overbite? Was I dancing with a white overbite? Yes, and I, I think we're jipping the population of the misses sometimes, because I'm a... I'm a little funnier than you and a little more charismatic than you in some ways. Do you have like a burn thing that you can put on, like crackling flames. fire, flames, or like, you know, I, I'm falling, I'm falling like the way in the Dr. Evil chair back, you know, 15 no, years ago? No, so in that, when you did the yeah. interpretive dance, they did this thing where they said to him, okay, don't re- just react, just answer the question. And they would say like Taylor Swift or Katy Perry or whatever, you know, they gave him all these pop culture names and he was like, uh... Uh, yeah, our theme song. Oh my god! <laughs> my ringtone when you call. No, so he was like so bad at it that they didn't even include that in the video. 
Did you realize that? I realized they didn't include it because they were basically <laughs> looking at me and said I didn't know anything about the they cultural like, zeitgeist. And they were also every time you every time they said something to me, you responded. Their head snapped over to you and like, okay, at least she knows. That's what what's I'm going, saying. They're jipping themselves out of the misses. If they were gonna ask you about history, you would have been all over that. All right. right. Expose the fact that I'm a nerd on Mooches and the Misses, episode six. All right. So 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 go to Go to the go to the. Uh, Wait, j- I want to talk about. We talked yeah. kind of about. I, we always I always cut you off. I'm sorry. We kind of talked about your documentary last week, but since we're talking about your book and it's all about you, let's talk about your documentary. So that w- was tough for me to watch, tough for you to watch, mm-hmm. but very cool. And I think it came out on iTunes today. Want to play a clip from the Do you have a clip? Do we have a clip? Yeah, let's play a clip. What I'm saying is, is that. I can touch the pulse of those people because I live with those people. I still live two miles from my parents. And of my 60 cousins, okay, of the 10 people that my grandparents created and the people they married and the 60 cousins, two of us went to college. It's me and my brother. So the 58 other people that are contemporaries of mine that have my DNA are in Autoglass. They're in Autobody. They're in pizzerias. I mean, they're all named Anthony because he's one of my grandfather. We go to Christmas Eve. We go to Christmas Eve. It's it's Anthony Autoglass. It's Anthony Pizzeria. I happen to be Anthony Edgepunk. Donald Trump is a New Yorker. So what does he have embedded in his New York DNA? Something that I fully appreciate. He's brash. He's outspoken. Other New Yorkers oh, get New Yorkers, clip. right? So when he's saying cuckoo things that are cuckoo to people that are unorthodox in the political system, as a New Yorker, I'm laughing. Okay, I'm saying, okay, this guy's a New Yorker. He's, yeah, I get the joke with Donald Trump. Okay. Right, Interesting I mean, listen, choice. I mean, look, I mean, a little bit of F-bombing in there. I mean, my mother's like, why are you cursing so much? I'm like, Ma, where do you think I learned it from? I mean, I mean, what's going on? You I learn mean, where you live, pe- Marie. Yeah, pe- people, people are in living on the river of denial. I mean, my mother and father were cursing like sailors. I didn't think I learned how to curse. But it's fine. I mean, listen, I mean, I thought the, the documentary was very accurate. It was super painful to watch because I made a lot of mistakes in the White House. Uh, but it also talked about the struggle of being an entrepreneur and trying to figure out a way to get to where we are in terms of our economic station coming from where we came from. So I think it's pretty interesting. I want to go back to a listener tweet because I think this is important to address. This is from Elizabeth B. Obviously, she's uh, part of the uh, armed services. I watched you on the Fox Eliza News. Eliza B. I, or Eliza B. I watched you on the Fox News channel this morning while you appear to be a likable guy. Your comments regarding General Kelly were outrageous. Truth is, General Kelly is a man of honor and character. He's a man who has achieved more by the age of 21 than you will ever hope to achieve in your entire lifetime. And so I just want to respond to you, and I want to respond to you very respectfully. I pointed out on the Fox News channel, and every time I talk about General Kelly, that I respect his service. I respect the fact that he spent 40 years in the Marine Corps, but it does not give him a license to act the way he's acting inside the White House. I I also am pointing out that applying that sort of militancy and that militant-like style uh, is not going to work in a civilian organization. And that's just me being honest and giving an honest characterization. So I do appreciate the fact uh, and like Megan McCain came at me yesterday, uh, that there's a tremendous amount of respect for our leadership in the military, and there should be. And of course, I respect these people. I've been on one, more than one troop support mission. Deirdre can tell you that I've been to Iraq and Afghanistan during our relationship, uh, and I'm happy to support the troops. But I don't think that being in the armed services gives you a license to act in a way 
that isn't fair to other people. And so I just like to point that out. So you can disagree with me. That's what makes makes it a fun podcast, and that's what makes the political system so fun for me. Anything you want to say? No. Nothing? No. All right. You, let's, you, you've covered it. Let's move on. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Let's talk about the LGBTQ policy that Trump is tossing around, changing, mm-hmm. revoking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so, I mean, what do you think about this? So basically they're floating this. Uh, I think one of the reasons why they're floating this, they're trying to get a reaction from people and they're trying to test the politics around it as it relates to the uh, social zeitgeist. Another reason why they're floating this is that they're really trying to figure out ways to galvanize their base and to get their base to turn out uh, to the election, which is in 14 short days. And so the evangelical community likes this sort of nonsense. And so they're hoping that by floating this, the evangelicals will run out and say, okay, that'll be really good. You repeal that transgender Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. I personally don't like it. I think that we've moved uh, and made great progress, um, and I'll, I'll remind you of this story, which I think you know. I was walking with Prime Minister Tony Blair after he had spoken at our SALT conference in Singapore, and he turned to me and he said, Anthony, I have often said, why are the best economic policies married to the worst social policies? Ooh, that's what I say every week. Right? And why or every the, day why to you. Why are the best social policies married to the worst economic policies? And so for the life of me, I cannot figure this out, but I think most people are in the middle. They want the country to do well. They want a robust economy. They want rising living standards, but they really do want people who love each other to have some level of equality. And so one thing that Deirdre and I agree on very strongly is marriage equality. Mm-hmm. We absolutely have been champions of human rights. We poured our own personal money in the support of the Gay Marriage Initiative and to help the Gay Marriage Initiative, not only here in New York, which we did seven, eight, or nine years ago, but also the Prop 8 thing that went before the Supreme Court. You remember going to that documentary? Of course, that was a yeah. lot of fun, right? Like Anthony says, why should only heteros be miserable? <laughs> oh, right? shot on the marriage. <laughs> no, you're the one that Dude, says it. you have like battleship cannons going off at some point in this no, uh, podcast. No, you are I mean, the somebody... one that always says no, that. No, I always say, hey, why, why, why would you let the heteros be the only ones <laughs> suffering in the marriage? Get in the pool with the rest of us, okay? Exactly. I well, we actually, be... we got a listener tweet about this. Okay. And this kind of, this hits home. We have kids and I, I always try to put myself in a place where if it was our children... And one of them identified as something other than what they were born into, the gender that they were born into, or as how we would handle it. And I would like to think that we would be sympathetic, empathetic, compassionate. And this tweet kind of resonated with me. So this is from Scotty D. He says, do Trump's anti-LGBT policies bother you at all? Yes, they do. I'm a gay American. What I'm seeing out of the White House as far as LGBT discrimination is scary. I also don't want to lose the right to marry the person that I love via Trump's, uh, I think it's supposed to say, picking of, of SCOTUS. So 
they've got all these people running scared about their personal lives. Oh, yeah, and I think I think I, I think the SCOTUS stuff for me, and I've said this public, I think it's uh, I, it's understandable why people are fearful, but I do think it's unwarranted. I think the political institution of the Supreme Court, uh, again, the polling on this stuff is seventy seven twenty three. And I think the Supreme Court's not going to touch those things, but I do think Like that, you said, they float, that was a good term to use, yeah. they float these things right. and they Galvanize put them, their base. Right, but they put them out Politics there into the universe. Politics is a nasty business, honey. Pe- I learned that the hard way. People got believe it could happen. And they, and they stay awake at night thinking I, about I, these things. I know, and that's why I'm trying to explain it. You know, one of the imagine things that, you ma- Imagine that we were in a world where I could not marry you because Donald mm-hmm. Trump said I couldn't marry you. Yeah. Yeah, is no, that I fair? Think a, I think it's a. I think it's a disaster. I will point out that uh, President Trump appointed the highest level ambassador, gay ambassador in U.S. Oh, history. Oh, Richard Grinnell. Yeah, Richard Grinnell. Mm-hmm. You and I both know him. He's the ambassador of Germany now. He's doing a very good job. And so I want more of that, and I want more of the Donald Trump when he was asked about Caitlyn Jenner. What well, Caitlyn ba- Jenner is like flipped out now by him. Yeah, no, he, she's he, like she, she's, appalled. She's, she's mad at him now. But what Trump said about her during the election was, "What bathroom is she going to pee in at Trump Tower?" He says, "I could care less. I would like to get to the society where people care less about this stuff, and they're not using it as a political dog whistle or right, or, or, or he's a prop. doing that so right now for like the that. midterm Good. elections. He's right, doing well, everything that, that he said he doesn't like. I'm I'm glad we're po- pointing it out. I'm mooching the misses. What do you think of the 1.6 billion dollar lottery? <laughs> so what do I think about that? Mm-hmm. So my think? I grew up in a household. Obviously, speaking of blue collar, super blue collar. And my parents and my grandparents and all of my great aunts and uncles, they all bought lotto. Mm-hmm. They all played lotto. So I remember Did, like once or twice a week, I used to go to the, these delis or go to these like convenience stores. And it was before they had the quick pick technology. So they'd be filling out like scantrons with a pencil, right? picking their favorite numbers. right? And it was a ritual in our yeah. house. And they'd win $5 here, $5. My aunt Sylvia the biggest guinea on planet Earth. She was the luckiest person. She always went to Atlantic City. She always won. She always won lotto here and there all over the place. Like she won like $5,000 once from the New York State Lotto. And I thought it was like the, <laughs> the best thing ever. It was crazy. Do you, but do you think I she put more into it than she got out of it? Or do you think she got more out of it than she put into over it? Over time? I don't know. She probably broke even. Only her. Everybody else was in a deficit. All but right. well, that's, Sylvia that's Catron broke even. But the... I, it's so crazy. I I personally have not played lotto once in my life. Why? Because I feel like I'm just giving away my five dollars. Right? Thank it's God. Like a casino. Let's, let's reemphasize that you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning. Okay, in your ear canal. Forget yeah, but, about like so your entire I'm that body. paranoid. I'm lightning going into your ear. That's canal. why I wouldn't want to win the lotto because I feel like I would wake up the next day and they'd be and I'd like get hit by a bus or something. You know what I'm saying? Okay. How does the, the two how do you? Because if you're if you have that if you're gonna have those odds to win it, you got some odds that something else messed up is probably gonna happen to you. But <laughs> oh, so you're saying that this karmic luck? Yes, like it's like you, oh you yeah, you're gonna win one point six billion. Yeah. You're gonna get hit by the MTA bus on Fifth Avenue. You know okay, what I now mean? Now I know that half the population listening to this podcast actually got that. The other half, the population, is like me, where we're <laughs> tolerating it with great amusement, and we're moving on to the next question. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All I'm right. Kidding. Saudi journalist, yes, Khashoggi brutally murdered. 
obviously by the Saudis, let's not mince words. They probably didn't think they were going to get caught, honey. So, so what do you make of all this? What well, how do you, do you not you... get caught with this technology? That's exactly right. See, we are now in the age of full transparency. We talked about this in the last podcast. I have a television receiver, a motion picture studio, a radio station in my hand right now. And how it's are called you, an iPhone. And how are you not going to get caught? And mm-hmm. so these guys get caught. They can't cover it up. They try to cover it up. And yet, Secretary Steven Mnuchin, somebody we both know personally, mm-hmm. I consider Steven a good friend. We worked together. Did you together. see that shirt he was wearing today? I did. What the heck was that? Yeah, that was uh, that was a little bonkers, I thought. Uh, Steven Mnuchin, call your stylist. It's not working for no, you in Saudi good. Arabia. But, but there he is. He's in Saudi Arabia. So he doesn't go to the conference, but he still feels the need to go to Saudi Arabia. So let's Because just, more of Trump's lies... When he's saying, I don't feel like blowing up a $150 million deal. I don't, it's not a $150 million deal. I don't want to lose X, Y, Z. I understand how we're tied into them and we're definitely not independent from them in terms of oil and uh, energy. But this is like a big deal. The guy walked into a console. He got chopped up into pieces. It was like a scene out of that movie, okay, Red so Sparrow. So let me set the scene Just for you. I'm in a g- different country. You're, you're President Deirdre Scaramucci. You're the 46th president. I'm your national security advisor. Let me set the scene for you. Madam President, uh, the, uh, the Saudis brutally murdered a Saudi dissident, a resident of the United States, but a citizen of Saudi. Mm-hmm. They entrapped him in their consulate, chopped him up, and they, they had a body double leave with his clothing on. It was like on. a full-on plan. So it was a full-on Red Sparrow, a screenplay written by somebody from Hollywood. Right. They get caught and busted. You're the president. We've got a $115 billion arms deal with them. They own $790 billion of our treasuries. They control, that royal family controls 25% of the world's oil reserves. We've had an 85-year alliance with them, uh, where uh, started by Franklin Roosevelt, where they are denominating oil in U.S. dollars, which effectively helps us become the global reserve currency, which means now every bank in the world has to own our currency, which gives us great latitude in our monetary policy. What would you like to do here? This what is kind when of you punishment be like, do you want to impose? You want to say to the crown prince, you want to say, like, come on, man. Like, why did you have to go and do that? You know what I mean? Because he ruined it for everybody. Because that all oh, of those things you just okay. mentioned. Madam President, I love all that about you. And obviously, you're, you're doing a great job with your blue <laughs> eyes and your blue policies. But what are we doing here? Tell me what we're doing. No, it's a... The, the murder's it's planned. A, the murder's brutal. Uh, we have intercepts and information. Well, you tell that me what would happen if you don't go. What happens if you don't go? Well, let's you know. Let's let's talk about. Let's what talk the about what happens if you don't go. All right, well, let's say that we go. But what what should the punishments be? I feel like we have to figure out. Are you sweating? A little bit. I'm hot. Yeah. Why? I don't know. You're drinking iced coffee. I'm drinking iced coffee. He's a having hot. a male hot flash or I'm something. I'm having a ma- menopause flash right now. Okay. <laughs> a menopause. Right. I've never heard that term. That's funny. Let me adjust my man's ear while we're <laughs> here in the studio. Right, but so, guys, what are you going to do? I just asked you five times what what would be oh, the consequences the if Steve Mnuchin not, doesn't go there? What are the right, consequences? I, well, I'm going to present, Madam President, I'm going to present you with a couple of decisions. Okay, but number one, you can... Uh, uh, denounce them 
Number two, you can denounce them and put some sanctions on. Or number three, you could ignore it and leave everything business as usual. What do you want to do? Well, I don't think you can ignore it and leave business as as usual. I think you have to address it. Okay. In a way that's good for our country, helpful for our country, that doesn't condone their behavior. So good. So what do you want to do? I don't know. That's why I'm not the president. I'm just saying, I don't think you can just go on like business as usual. I think you have to take a pause. Okay, so listen, I I agree with you, and the president is announcing as we're speaking on this podcast some sanctions. We mm-hmm. don't need to go into it with everybody, but they are mild. Well, that's good. They mild are mild sanctions. Um, and so the truth of the matter is, is that there's always going to be a level of hypocrisy between the morality of a situation and the economic and geopolitical practicality of a situation. And so hopefully we can continue to help the Saudis reform and we can hopefully push the Saudis forward into modernity. But boy, that killing is right out of the 12th century. It's and not it's, uh, good. It's very, very distasteful. So It's like Game of Thrones. Okay, so let's let's move on. But I, I'm okay. glad that we brought that up. That makes up me very sad. I about how complex the society is. It is, is very complex. Things. That's why I, I never say... That I would do some a better job because I it's I I could never do a better job. It's the, one of the hardest jobs on planet Earth. I think we just need to really think about things before we make decisions. I feel like sometimes we rush do, things do too much. Re, do you remember when you met President Bush at the Salt Conference? You remember some of the remarks of his speech where he said, "There's nothing in his life that could have prepared oh, him yeah, for the yeah. presidency." Mm-hmm. Remember what did he say? Yeah. Share, share it with everybody. No. He said the first day when he walked in, got the the security briefing on his desk, he needed a diaper. That's exactly what he said. The first thing he said when he got- And his life, your life is never the same. The first thing he said when he got on stage, he said, you know, listen, the reason I'm here, Anthony invited me, but the second reason is I wrote a book and- uh, some of you, I'm looking out there that you you don't think I can read. I thought that was a great <laughs> line, right? Everyone laugh. Right? No, you know what it when it you know what it made me think of. You know the day or like the time in your life when you're starting to transition out of your childhood and you start realizing that your parents are just also humans that are they don't really know what they're doing. They're just trying to pretend that they do. Yeah, they're just overgrown children. Right. I feel like right. when you get to the presidency and you read that briefing, you, it's that same kind of feeling like, oh God, right, bunch like of I'm idiots. not safe at all. Right, this place a bunch is of idiots crazy. are running the wall, right? <laughs> right? I mean, so so I had, when, it, when was the day in your life when you realized, I thought my parents had all the answers. They were Superman and Superwoman and they were guiding me and they're giving me this protective bubble. And then I realized, okay, oh my God, they're just overgrown versions of me. This is pretty hard. And they have absolutely no idea so what, what they're day, doing. So what day, I can remember the day for me. I think I was about 17 or 18. 17. I started realizing it, yeah. 17, okay. So but I, in my 20s, I realized, you know, it was every man for himself. Right, so there was some level of more vulnerability and awareness, right? Oh, yeah. Any comfort in that or just vulnerability and awareness? How could you find comfort in realizing that no, no comfort, nobody could save you? No comfort you. whatsoever. No. And so Nick Scaramucci right now, the four-year-old, oh, thinks that Deirdre Scaramucci is literally starring in Wonder Woman 2 <laughs> with the golden bracelets and the lasso and the invisible plane. So does but, Nick Scaramucci. I mean, yeah, James, James Scaramucci. James Scaramucci, forget about it. James Scaramucci's holding on for dear life. That's mommy. And everything is good. But I was 18 years old. I was a freshman in college. I came home for Thanksgiving, and for some reason I had this rude awakening mm-hmm. that, oh my God, they are just overgrown versions of me. <laughs> they don't know anything. Okay, so that's what happens in the presidency. So what you realize is these are super complex problems. 
Uh, we have very smart people that hopefully can work these things out. Uh, but it's not easy. Let's go to this caravan. Wait, you know what? Hold on. Somebody no, asked ahead. me a question. I should have done it before, and I go made ahead. a mistake, but I promised her, and I don't want to disappoint our listeners. So I always wonder how you pronounce this, but her her handle is Mia Malanga, I think. So she said, okay, D, meaning me, here's my query. What would you do if you won the Mega Millions tonight? Would you and Mooch ever work again? I think not. And that's, no, we would work. We would always work. We cannot stay home. Neither one of us can stay home. So I think we would find a lot of good things to do with that money. I think we would share it with a lot of people. Well, I was, and we would totally work to the day we dropped dead. I was. I don't know if you heard what I said on the radio earlier. We would Somebody's, just be a little less stressed probably. So, so, somebody said to me, what would you do if you won the money? I said I would I would donate it to World Peace. And the only reason why I'm saying that is because I know I'm not going to win the money. <laughs> That's the only reason why I said that. That's like when people ask him, bad? does he want to go back to the White House? And he says, he caveats by saying, well... I don't think they'll ever ask me. Well, who would ever ask me after they took l- l- appraisal of everything like, and, you know, and a very accurate, honest book? And you know, these people don't like the truth in Washington. You know, I, I I shared a story last night where after my press conference, I got a call from an opposition research person from the Republican Party who said, "You're dead." I said, "I'm dead." It was only day one. Who knew I had only ten days left to go? But they were like, "You're dead." I said, "I'm dead." Why am I dead? You, you told the truth from the press box. You're not allowed to do that. This is Washington. True that. True that. Thought you so knew that. that that's long gone, long over. But but winning the lottery, I don't think changes anything. In fact, I would tell every listener out there, try to find a job if you can. Try to pick a job where it's not work for you. Yeah, it makes I think you that's feel the, good. I think that's the big thing. You gotta try to do that. And by the way, it took a long time for me to get in that position. There was a lot of scrapes and bumps along the way. One of the other big things I would tell people, uh, if you're on the radio or you're giving a public speech. This is Mooch ev- as your therapist. Everybody has a level of self-consciousness. Everybody has a level of awkwardness. And so you have to fight through that as well. Mm-hmm. And by the way, look how Just much watch, better- Just uh, watch Fox better 5 Deirdre's- last week. Nick, uh, Anthony was sweating through the, through the interview and I was like, babe, what's up with that? He's like- I don't know. I was so nervous. It was all it was was a good day in New York. I, I, I Rosanna Scotto, who's was his good friend, because they were talking about my documentary. I hadn't seen the damn thing, and I was like, "Oh my god, this could be a train wreck disaster." Mm. Okay, because who knows, you know, in our politicized society, how these guys are going to treat me. But they they treated me fairly. It's By the way, where can pe- people can get your documentary on uh, Down- iTunes? It's downloadable. It's not my documentary. Nothing's coming well, to me. Well, I mean but, about but, you. But it's uh, downloadable on Amazon, uh, downloadable on iTunes, and uh, it's uh, it, it, it's available today. It's right. 100, and it's actually, uh, uh, what was I going to say? It's one hour and 23 minutes, and it's, uh, it's, it's accurate. It's honest. So what should we do tonight? Watch... People should go home and watch the Mooch documentary or the first game of the World Series. Watch the first game of the World Series or Red Sox in five. What's your prediction? Red Sox in five. Red Sox in five. But I do want the Dodgers to win because I'm a Yankee fan and you know how how we feel about Red Sox. Yeah, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right. Before we wrap this up, can I ask a few questions about the caravan? We got yes, a caravan. Yes, like the minivan, like yeah, yeah. or so the is actual that a, caravan. Is that a George Soros-sponsored caravan embedded with Middle East terrorists, <laughs> oh, or is it just people that are trying to seek asylum because they got a disaster you, okay, going on in Central America? Okay, let me ask you this: We have these young children. Would you ever drag them across all of those miles in that heat because George Soros is going to give you what five cents? I mean, that's ludicrous. 
Okay, this is why you got the missus on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. See that? That's insight. That's common sense. But it's very strange to sit here and think that there's a drove of people marching up to our border right now. You should be playing the Donald Trump. I don't know. I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. That was a good imitation. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh, I don't remember. (laughs) Oh, my God. So there's 10,000 migrants from Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. Can you picture them right now? I just like, I feel like. Can, they're making Pocahontas. their way. Oh God, Poga! Oh they're making their way up here to our border right now. What are we gonna do? And what are we gonna do? I feel terrible for these moms. I've, I'm watching videos of kids with heat exhaustion, and they're sleeping on the floor, and they're they're tiny and innocent. This, this is, is terrible. The, this is the problem of being a public servant. You have to make very very hard decisions, very very tough decisions, and uh, I think you have to just remember we have to be very very careful. Uh, every country that has a border, obviously, they protect their border. This country has been lax over the last 15 years, and it's had some bad side effects for the country. It has. I do get the whole. I do get the whole let, border let's thing. End, let's end, in, let's end, end on, on the, something fun. What? Fun, okay? What? Can we talk about polka for one second. No. And, no. Kind of want to poke you. No, no, no. I mean, I actually think that <laughs> the president's only calling her Poe now after the DNA test. Okay, he's not giving her the full polka on the syllables. Yeah. Well. Or say something. What about it? Say I some, don't know. Let's just end on a fun note. So say, we're gonna go. We're going to do some more um, TV and radio with the Mooch later. So check us out. Check out Us Magazine tomorrow. There's a beautiful spread of Deirdre oh, Scaramucci. Oh yeah, um, she, She's not called? happy with it. Airbrush. Me, I don't look good in that. Just, just if, you, if you're listening tonight, could you please let me know which do you think is vainer, the Mooch or the Misses? Which were people? You know, Okay, you which which person is Vayner? Definitely not me. Not you. I'm the vainest of the two of us. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think I'm the vainer of the two of us. And just More remember, veins. ladies and gentlemen, before we exit, bad English. Vain hey, rhymes with pain. So when that <laughs> Botox needle's going in, it hurts like a bitch. Okay. <laughs> with that, we'll see you next week. Wait, check us out on Twitter and Instagram. You at, can find basically all of our stuff at Deirdre, Scaramucci. Deirdre Scaramucci now verified two. on Twitter. Look at that. Yep. And since Deirdre Scaramucci is not shadow banned, she actually has some reasonable engagement. <laughs> Unlike Anthony Scaramucci with 900,000 Twitter followers, and my stuff doesn't even show up on your message. Anyway, bullet. keep Fine. in touch with us during the week, and we'll see you next Tuesday. We're going to be broadcasting this podcast. We're doing our thing from L.A., so that should be fun. Amen. We'll be in good mood with some vitamin D. Amen. See Looking you next Tuesday. God bless. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.